Well, the first thing I'll do is apologize to uh, some of the folks at Arabia that have heard this lesson before, but uh, we're going to talk about something this evening that was uh, uh, the Lord hadn't revealed to us in many years, and so we did, so we'd like to share it with you. And I'll be using uh, Gospel John chapter 9 to start out with, and uh, talking about uh, a man being born blind. Of course, he was a baby, born blind, and then uh, he was a man, still blind. So we want to start with, with that one and this uh, uh, healing that the Lord uh, did here. And I'm going to read the first uh, seven verses of this, and then we'll look at some other miracles as well. So many things in this uh, ninth chapter of the Gospel of John, so many miracles and everything. So let's look at verse 1. And Jesus passed by and saw a man who was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither has this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground, made clay of the spittle, and anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay, and said unto him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. He went his way, uh, therefore, and washed, and came seeing. So you're familiar with this, of course, and uh, the Lord uh, gave him his, his vision, and uh, his vision was progressively got a little better, a lot better. But, you know, his, uh, the, the Pharisees, and they didn't believe, and they questioned him, and ended up they cast him out of the synagogue. And, uh, but what was the purpose of him being born blind? And, of course, it tells us very clearly there uh, that the works of God should be made manifest in him. That's why he was born blind. Uh, said that the works of God may be manifest in him. I believe, certainly, yes, he was given sight. The works of God made manifest. I don't think it stopped there. In fact, I know it didn't stop there. I know he went on to tell other people, and today... We're still talking about, still learning about. So that the works of God may be made manifest in him. But uh, why, why did he heal this way? You know, he didn't have to. He, you remember the centurion's servant? He didn't even go to him and he healed him. Why, why did he heal this way? Why did he spit on the ground, make clay, Rubbing his eyes. Didn't have to do it that way, but he did. And I asked, you know, why? Was there some secret ingredient in this mud? Or maybe it was rough enough to rub some scales off his eyes? Why? What's the teaching in it for us? Why mud? Uh, and if, if you would... Uh, Study that sometime. We won't go into it this evening. But this ground here, there's nothing special about this ground. It means chasm or fissure or a vacancy or gulf or something impassable. 
I kind of like to use the word impossible. But anyway, study that. It's interesting. But there's nothing special on the ground that would open his eyes. So then we're left with spit. Why spit? Didn't have to do it this way. Didn't even have to be there. But this is the way the Lord chose to do it. So why was there something in the saliva, some kind of a chemical that, that healed his eyes? Why spit? So my thoughts are, the teaching, it wasn't the dirt. It wasn't the saliva. It was out of the mouth of the Lord. I think that's the key to understanding. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. So I believe that's the key to understanding this. Not what was the makeup of the saliva or, the, or this ground. It was out of the mouth of the Lord. That's, I believe, the key to understanding that. So I believe he received, certainly he received his physical eyesight, but also received his spiritual eyesight at the, uh, basically at the same time. And then we can see his spiritual eyesight uh, improving. Uh, first, they ask him, well, you know, who healed you? Well, a man called Jesus. And then later, we see him preaching to these Pharisees that they didn't like, and later, worshiping the Lord. So his spiritual eyesight continued to grow, continued uh, to, to get better. Uh, and then they sent him to wash, and we won't have time to, to go deeply in this as I would like to in some of it, but sent him to wash. So what, what was that? Well, uh, what Ephesians says, uh, he's talking about his bride, and said he cleanses him with the washing of water by the word. Word out of the mouth of the Lord. And it tells, he tells another place, says, you're clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. So again, out of the, out of the mouth of the Lord. I, I believe that is the teaching for us. So out of the mouth of the Lord, we see this complete healing, physical and spiritual. He could have done it in any way. He didn't have to spit on the ground and take mud and put in his eye. Didn't have to do it that way. Didn't even have to be there like the centurion sir. But he did. And there's a reason for it. And I believe we're seeing some of this reason. So I want to look at another scripture. Uh, it's in the book of Mark, chapter 8, and another place where the Lord uh, healed a blind man. And again, he didn't have to do it this way. He didn't have to spit. But he did. So what's the teaching for us? Why did he do it this way? Uh, certainly it's for our learning and our admonition. But why did he do it? Now, as we read here, it's very clear to see that his vision got progressively better. We kind of sit in two stages, but still uh, started out one way, and then it got better. And we'll, we'll see that as well. So in Mark chapter 8 and verse 22, And he cometh to Bethsaida, and they bring a blind man to him, and he besought him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand, led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands upon him, he asked him if he saw anything. And he looked up and, he looked up and said, I see men like trees walking. 
After that, he put his hands again upon his eyes and made him look, and made him look up. And he was restored and saw every man clearly. So, uh, again, spit out of the mouth of the Lord. Didn't have to do it that way, but he did. Why? For our learning and our admonition. So, in uh, he said, uh, verse 23, he said, Uh, And took the blind man by the hand, led him out of the town. Good teaching there that you can study on. And we had spit on his eyes. Put his hands upon him and asked him if he saw anything. Do you think the Lord knew? Do you think the Lord had to ask? I wonder wonder if it's working. I I wonder if he can see anything yet. Well, no, we know, uh, Larry, that the Lord knew what he saw. Knew exactly what he saw. But this question is asked for our benefit. So he says, you see anything? And then verse 24 uh, says, uh, and he looked up. And, and I like to think of it like this. I think, so here he was, you know, blind. Lord spit his eyes. And uh, I, I picture this guy looking down and uh, the Lord said, well, do you see anything? So I picked the guy looking up and looking around. And what did he see? Again, the Lord knew what he saw. He didn't ask him, well, what are you seeing? How's this working? Do I need to change something? He, he knew exactly. This is for our learning and our admonition. So he says in verse 24, and he looked up. So he's looking around. What did he see? And said, I see men like trees. Walking. Uh, not that good a vision, was it? He saw men like trees walking and everything. Powerful, mighty. That was how he saw man. Uh... In, uh, well, let's, let's read verse 25 then. But at this point, he saw man, but he saw man great and mighty, walking as trees and everything. So then verse 25, the Lord, not because plan A failed for the Lord, but we have, we have this, uh, and he says, after that, after the man said, I see men walking as trees. Big, mighty, powerful. So verse 25, after that he put his hands upon his eyes and made him look up. First time he said he looked up. And then we have a point here. It says, and he, the Lord made him look up. What are we going to see when we're looking up? Uh, Colossians says, if you be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. So, first time, it says, he looked up, what do you see? I see men walking like trees. So then, 
He says, so then he made him look up. So I think he's looking up now. And, and folks, it doesn't mean the position of your body, but your mind. What do you, 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 if you want to see man clearly, you need to look up. So, and, so he, he made him look up, and then in verse 25 goes on, made him look up, and he was restored, and saw every man clearly. Looking out like this, yeah, I see man as trees, you know, giants in the land. Well, the ten witness, uh, we had the twelve witnesses went over the land of Canaan. Ten of them come back. Oh, they're giants that were there. They were what? Looking at what? Earthly. Their their vision was on the earth. It wasn't looking up at the Lord. So he said, now he says, I, I said, and saw every man clearly. So I ask you, how do you see man? How do you see man? Uh, you may hold your place here. I'm going to turn to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, just a, a verse or two here. And uh, in verse 12, so I'm going to... How should we see man? So 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 12. For we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves. So there are some that commend themselves. They boast in themselves. Tell how good and how great. Maybe how they walk like trees. I don't know. But says so we don't. We don't want to be of that number that, that uh, compare, them, compare ourselves with some that commend themselves. But they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. So how do you, how do you see man? If you compare man to man, this says, <laughs> that's not wise. Well, how... How do we compare man? How do we see man then? What do we compare him with? Oh, look up. You see the Lord, then we see man, and you don't see man so great then. You don't see him walking as trees and mighty and powerful and everything. You don't see man that way. But we need to look up, see the Lord, before we measure ourselves and compare ourselves among ourselves. And you may do that. You may say, well, I'm as good as this guy is. Well, you're not setting the bar very high. But look up. Compare yourself with the Lord. You're not going to see man walk in his trees and big and mighty and powerful. The scripture says, well, actually, and it goes on there in uh, verse 13. But we will not boast of things without our measure, but according to the measure of the rule which God has distributed to us, a measure to reach even unto you. And I kind of forgot about it, but uh, he gives us something to measure ourselves, is what it says. We don't measure ourselves comparing ourselves one to another. We'll see men walk his trees then. But it says, uh, we won't boast of things without our measure, but according to the measure of the rule 
which God had distributed to us. I got my rule. You got your rule? <laughs> so what do we measure? Again, what has he distributed among us? And, and it's his word. Out of the mouth of the Lord. We measure from the words of the Lord. That's how we, what we are to measure. That's the measure of the rule. So if we want to see man clearly, not walking his trees, you want to see man clearly, we use the measure of the rule which he given us to measure. Not comparing ourselves one with another. Quickly, let's go to Daniel chapter 4. I'm very familiar, and I wasn't going to do it, but we'll take the time to go there and look real quick. So you know Nebuchadnezzar and Daniel chapter 4, if you're turning there. And uh, so uh, Dan, uh, Nebuchadnezzar had a, a dream, and Daniel interpreted that dream. And, of course, he was going to be uh, uh, exiled from his kingdom and everything uh, for seven times, I believe, with seven years, and it's going to be taken away from him. That was the interpretation of the dream. And then uh, in verse 25 of Daniel 4, that they shall drive thee from men, and thy dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and they shall make thee to eat grass like oxen. Uh, they shall wet thee with the dew of heaven, and seven times shall pass over thee, till thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men, and giveth it to whomsoever he will. So that's what was told to Nebuchadnezzar. This is going to happen. You're going to be overthrown. Well, I think it scared him for a little bit. But a year passed. And he was walking on his porch thinking. And I'm, he had, they had some kind of calendar, I'm sure. But it says in verse, uh, uh, verse 29, And at the end of 12 months, he walked in the palace of the kingdom of Babylon. And the king spoke and said, is not, is not this great Babylon that I have built? For the house of the kingdom, by the might of my power, and for the honor of my majesty? How did he see man? <laughs> Big walking like trees. I built this, and so forth and so on. So that was, that was his vision. That was his vision. Looked out, this old man, probably comparing himself among other, uh, among themselves. And, yeah, I did this. Nobody's going to overthrow this. I, I, I built this kingdom and I have these loyal servants. Nobody's going to overthrow me. That's how he saw man. But let's go over to verse, uh, well, let's see. Yeah, let's go over to verse 34. After he went through, I believe, seven years, but seven times anyway. And uh, verse 34. And at the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, what did he do? Lifted up my eyes to heaven. Wasn't looking at man and everything. Lifted up his eyes to heaven. And the Lord caused him to do this, of course. Took 12 years to do it. That was the time he ordained. But anyway, uh, and, and looked, uh, lifted up my eyes to heaven, and my understanding returned unto me. And I blessed the Most High, 
And I praise not him who liveth forever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. And all the inhabitants of the earth are giants walking like trees. Not, not what he saw anymore, is it? He did earlier. Oh, I built this kingdom, my might, my, my power. No one's going to take it away. So now in all the inhabitants of the earth, including himself, are repeated as nothing. And he doeth according to his will. In the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand or say unto him, What doest thou? So he has a uh, clear vision now of man. Before, uh, he saw men walking like trees. I built this kingdom. By the way, that's Satan's doctrine, Isaiah 14. I built this kingdom, my might and my power. Big, powerful man. And then the Lord calls him to look up. Looked at the Lord, looked at himself. He says, I'm reputed as nothing. He called him the most high. Not one of the high ones, the most high. So, uh, Nebuchadnezzar's was given, uh, his vision was restored, and now he sees uh, man clearly. So again, how do, you, how do you see man? Powerful, mighty. Uh, so again, his, his vision was, it was progressive. And I think we see that, don't we see that in all of us? Our vision get a little better. Not not this vision. By the way, I, I broke this day before yesterday. I thought, how am I going to see this tonight? Got it repaired. So, uh, but anyway, so this vision is not necessarily getting any better. But our spiritual vision, we see by God's grace, we see a little better. And when we, when we see man a little better, what do we see? We see him a little lower, don't we? As we're looking up. Okay. Now let's let's look at another uh, another miracle in in Mark chapter seven this time. A little different here, as far as what was, was healed. Mark 7 and uh, we're going to start in verse 31. So here we're going to see his ears and his speech healed. But what was, what was the secret ingredient? Yeah, spit out of the mouth of the Lord. Okay, uh, Mark 7 and, and 31. And again, departing from the borders of Tyre and Sidon, uh, he came into the Sea of Galilee uh, through the midst of the borders of Decapolis. And they bring unto him one that was deaf and had impediment in his speech. And they beseech him to put his hands upon him. And he took him aside from the multitude. Again, study that as well. Took him aside from the multitude, put his fingers in his ears and spat spit and touch his tongue and looking up to heaven he uh, sighed and saith unto him uh, epithet that is be opened and straightway his ears were opened and the string of his tongue was loosed and he spoke plainly so here we see one again that was he's deaf he couldn't hear he couldn't speak and uh, the Lord took him aside, put his fingers in his ears, spit, touched his tongue. 
Again, secret formula in the saliva? No, it wasn't that. The key is out of the mouth of the Lord. But he touched his tongue. And didn't he do that to Jeremiah? I'll put my words in your mouth. Uh, Isaiah tells us that uh, as well. Uh, verse uh, 34. So after the Lord touched his tongue and so forth, and, and looking up to heaven, he sighed and said unto him, uh, Epitha, that is, be opened. But again, here the Lord was looking up, but uh, of course, signifying where all this was coming from. And then uh, in verse 35, and straightway his ears were opened, and the string of his tongue was loosed, and he spoke plainly. I think his importance in the order, well, he was healed physically and spiritually. I believe his ears was open first, he heard. And then his eyes, or uh, then his tongue, sorry. And then his tongue, his tongue was healed. And said he uh, spoke plainly. Well, we saw the man that he didn't see very good. And now he sees man clearly. So here we see one, he couldn't talk. And now he spoke plainly. After what? What was, it? what was the ingredient here? Out of the mouth of the Lord. He spoke plainly. Uh, occasionally, I will be going through channels and uh, Sunday morning while I'm getting ready and I'll hear some people that call themselves ministers of God. You've all heard them, but are they speaking plainly? I mentioned this to the congregation here. Uh, There's a man, and used to, I wouldn't tell the names. I'll just say what they said, but if they're on television, they're proud of it. Mike Murdoch. I'll tell you what he said, and you can, you can decide it was clear or not. He, he mocks people, and he says, oh, but, but Mike, uh, God's will... Uh, always come to pass. He says, God's will rarely comes to pass. Is that plainly? And he gave a scripture. Second Peter there, the uh, third chapter. God's not willing that any should perish. Well, he didn't read very much of that. It's talked about God's long-suffering towards us, not willing should any perish. And not one of that us will perish. Now, it talks about the they's and the them's, but the we and the us that he's speaking of, not one of them will perish. But this man said God's will rarely comes to pass. And, and I don't, we can go to many, many scriptures, of course. He declares the end from the beginning, from ancient times, things have not yet come to pass. It's like my counsel will stand, I'll do all my pleasure. So, is it plainly? Is this plainly? And uh, I'm going to go to Acts chapter 11. We'll see something here. And you say, well, was this, uh, this doesn't seem plainly. 
Uh, Acts chapter 15. Did I say 11? Chapter 15, I believe it is. So here, uh, there were some from the first church at Jerusalem, and that's where the first church was established, and they you know, sent men out and so forth. So here they sent men down here, I believe, to Antioch, and doing their preaching and whatever they was doing. So in verse 1 of Acts 15, they said, And certain men who came down from Judea, Taught the brethren and said, Except ye be circumcised after the manner of Moses, ye cannot be saved. So they had quite a discussion and disagreement and debate on this matter. So they said, Well, let's send some people up to Jerusalem about this matter. So they did. They went up there and they had some small talk and everything. But then uh, in verse uh, 5, but there rose up certain of the uh, sect of the Pharisees who believed. Now, many of the Pharisees says, no, he's a Beelzebub. But there's some that said, well, said they believed. Uh, to what extent, we'll see. But what we're looking for, had their tongue been, were they speaking plainly? So, uh, said there rose up certain of the sect of the Pharisees who believed, saying it was needful to circumcise them, to command them to keep the law of Moses. So now they went down there and said, listen, unless you keep the law of Moses, you can't be saved. And now, yeah, I believe in Jesus. They believed. I, I hear that all the time on television. Well, I don't listen to it that much, but I hear it a lot on television. Yeah, I believe. I love Jesus. I love God. So, yeah, I believe in Jesus. But... You still got to keep the law of Moses to be saved. Or you got to keep the law of Moses for your righteousness. I believe in Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. But then, but you got to be uh, uh, circumcised. You got to keep the law of Moses. Is that plain? So, uh, in verse 6. And the apostles and elders came together to consider this matter. And when there had been much disputing, Peter rose up and said uh, unto them, Men and brethren, you know how that a good while ago God made choice among us that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, uh, who knoweth the hearts, bore them witness, giving them the Holy Spirit even as he did unto us, and put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith, now, therefore, so Peter, Peter's going to speak plainly. These that came down there and these Pharisees that believed weren't speaking plainly. Peter's going to speak plainly. I believe he'd been touched with out of the mouth of the Lord. So he says in verse 10, Now, therefore, why put God to the test to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? He says, you're looking at the letter of the law. He says, our fathers couldn't bear it. You can't bear it. Why are you putting this on the neck of the disciples? So he asked him questions. And then, very plainly, very clearly, he says in verse 11, but we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved even as they. Very plainly, very clearly, uh, 
So this man that the, the Lord healed, he, he healed his ears, spat, touched his tongue, put his words in his mouth, and he spoke clearly. Do you think he went out teaching Mosaic law and Christ? No way. Jesus Christ and Paul, uh, I, I think a scripture that I dearly love, Paul says, I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. So someone asked me, how do babies get to heaven? Jesus Christ and crucified. Well, I thought if they died before the 12 years, no, Jesus Christ and crucified. How about somebody that's uh, developmentally disabled, maybe uh, mentally retarded, they used to call it, how they get to heaven? Well, I believe God creates a special way for them. Well, he does, but it's Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's a special way. What about somebody in a, down in the middle of Africa where haven't been uh, preached to by missionaries? How they get to heaven? Jesus Christ and him crucified. Plainly. So as we look at this, uh, I, I, my prayer is that it all uh, points to the Lord. He healed the eyes by out of the mouth of the Lord. And the other one uh, healed his eyes first. He was seeing men as giants and everything. And then he saw men clearly. But it was out of the mouth of the Lord. And this last one, his hearing and his speech, out of the mouth of the Lord. Now he speaks plainly. May the Lord bless the speaking of his word. Go to Jenkins.